Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Get deeper insights on the news from inside sources. Well, Congress has continued to abdicate a lot of its authority to the executive branch, which, of course, is all too happy to take that whenever they uh, are inclined to give it, whether it's war powers, whether it's power of the purse. And presidents from both parties have said, OK, fine, Congress, if you're not going to act, we'll take that power and uh, we can function with a pen and executive orders. And, of course, we've been following closely this week the most recent example, President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. And, of course, the Supreme Court heard arguments earlier this week uh, reviewing whether or not uh, two things, really. Was it a excess power? Was it an overreach from the president? Or the other issue at, at, uh, at stake was also this idea of standing. And uh, those who brought the suit, did, had they really been hurt uh, by the executive order? Uh, and to me, it's one of those uh, we can be equal opportunity offender uh, across the political spectrum, regardless uh, who's in power in the House and the Senate and who's in power in the in the White House and the administration, the executive branch. Uh, and we can be equal opportunity commenders when they actually do it right. There hasn't been a lot of that from either party for a while. Uh, but to help us break this all down, uh, really excited to have Ben Ritz join us on the program. He is the director of the Center for Funding America's Future at the Progressive Policy Institute. Had a great piece in Forbes uh, talking about win or lose executive actions like student debt should face judicial review. Ben, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, so so uh, dive into this with us, uh, uh, with the president's uh, executive order uh, to forgive and cancel that student debt. Kind of walk us uh, through where we've been and how we ended up here at the Supreme Court. Yeah, so the way we ended up at the Supreme Court is the Biden administration, uh, they claimed that their authority to do this mass debt cancellation, which is uh, $10,000 for, for most borrowers uh, or up to $20,000 for uh, most borrowers who, who received a Pell Grant when they were in school. Um, and it's up to a certain income threshold that includes the vast majority of, of, of people who, who, um, who borrowed for, for college. Um, he wanted to do this mass debt, mass debt cancellation, and the legal authority he uh, he invoked to do this is called the HEROES Act, which was a bill that was passed in 2003 that gave the Secretary of Education the authority to waive or modify uh, provisions of loans uh, held by the Department of Education for, uh, for victims of, of national emergencies. And this was intended to uh, make it easier for uh, victims of terrorism and people who uh, who died, you know, military personnel who died fighting the war on terror to, to reduce the burden of, of student loan debt on them. Uh, and the Biden administration said, well, 
everybody who lived through the COVID pandemic is a victim of a national emergency. So we can uh, we can waive or modify any provision. And as part of that, we are going to just wipe $10,000 off of everybody's or almost everybody's balance. Uh, and so then we had two cases go up to the Supreme Court, the, the stronger of the two coming from um, coming from uh, Missouri and a few other states that said that this debt cancellation was going to cost them revenue, and therefore they had standing to challenge it and say that Biden uh, overstepped the authority that Congress gave in the HEROES Act. Yeah, and one of the things I loved in your uh, Forbes piece, uh, because, again, we're equal opportunity offenders around here, you also pointed to uh, something that uh, president, that the conservatives wanted uh President Trump to do in terms of unilaterally excluding the the growth in assets attributable to inflation uh, on capital gains tax and kind of went down a a similar thing. And to me, it comes back to what is constitutional. uh, And so we got to have a different kind of conversation rather than just letting presidents of either party do things uh, with a cell phone and a pen. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, I think... So I think a big difference between these two cases is that, uh, so number one, I will say, there was this push for Trump to to do the tax cut from a lot of folks on the right. He didn't actually pursue it, um, but this was a big thing that that was was pushed for. Uh, The other thing I'll say, though, is, uh, you know, even though there is is a legally dubious thing, the Biden administration does have a statute they are pointing to, whereas uh, Trump didn't have one on the the uh, the indexation of capital gains and so ultimately didn't pursue it. Although he did uh, pursue a, a a plan to send a two hundred dollar rebate card to every Medicare beneficiary right before the election, right. and that was, was similarly uh, similarly dubious. Yes, yeah, exactly. And uh, and so as we look at this, and, and the thing that I love that you got to in your piece is is look uh, whatever a president does and regardless of how we feel about the merits of it whether we think oh that's great we should forgive this debt for students or we should help out medicare recipients with a, a gas card or, or whatever it may be uh, that all of those things do have to face some sort of judicial review uh, otherwise there really becomes no limit and congress uh, will have officially abdicated all of its power i think the con- my my big concern is that even if congress didn't abdicate its power if I mean, the administration's argument was basically the only people who have standing to sue are the student loan servicers, uh, and they are not going to sue because they are the people they're servicing for is the federal government. They're not going to sue their own client. Right. And so they're basically arguing nobody, nobody is hurt by this policy. Uh, and we know that's not true. We know that taxpayers who have their money uh, allocated without a vote from their congressional representatives are, are hurt, and we know that people who uh, suffer from the effects of inflation uh, are are hurt, but they don't they don't have uh, you know they don't they're not granted standing to to file suit. And so if you take if you take this position to its logical conclusion, any time a president uh, is spending money and just giving it away without taking anything from anybody, uh, if courts say well nobody has standing to challenge it, then it could go not just to what Congress has authority Congress has abdicated. 
even if Congress hasn't delegated the power, you know, even if uh, if a president just says, well, I disagree with this tax Congress passed, so I'm not going to collect it, mm. and nobody has standing to say they're hurt by it, uh, it's never going to get challenged. And I think that creates a very slippery slope uh, that, that would be problematic down the line. Yeah, that's, uh, that is a great, great insight, and uh, it is a very, very slippery slope. And, uh, and sometimes I think Congress is okay with that because then they don't have to be held accountable by the voters. They can just say, well, you know, if you've got a problem with that, you know, go talk to the executive branch. This was, this was their doing, not mine. Uh, and so I think there has to be that accountability across the board. And as you said, it becomes a, a very slippery slope. So as you as you watch this particular case play forward, uh, anything else you're gleaning from it or things that we should be watching for as it relates to other areas within the government? Yeah, I think I think, you know, the precedent that this is going to set uh, as far as who has standing to sue, um, I think that that has implications for a, for a wide range of of programs. Uh, one interesting thing is um, that it seems like the, the justices are going to throw out uh, the other case, which was brought by two plaintiffs who uh, had a very roundabout argument to, to why they should have standing. And, and basically what the justices are uh, indicated during oral arguments is they don't want to set this precedent that anybody who has any grievance with any policy can jam it up in the courts because that would grind everything to a halt. And I think no matter how the Supreme Court rules on the standing decision, they are going to they're going to uh, be creating a problem of some kind that's going to have to be addressed down the line. Whether that is they make it too easy for people to sue and everything gets round to a halt, or they make it too hard and they create this this uh, blank check for the, the executive and Congress. And so I think there the, that this is an issue that both the the courts and the political branches are going to have to contend with because. If they just let it, let this case get resolved and move on, I think we're going to see uh, a lot of implications for other programs going forward that could be, that could ironically make the, the $400 billion of student debt cancellation actually look small by comparison. Really small. <laughs> uh, absolutely. That is great insight, uh, Ben Ritz, director of the Center for Funding America's Future at the Progressive Policy Institute. And uh, great perspective, both the standing question uh, and the executive branch authority question are two that we just have to continue to grapple with. And I hope we grapple with it in a public way uh, so that the American people can be involved in a transparent process. Uh, because as you said, Ben, uh, we either end up with uh, everyone having standing and everything's a lawsuit or nobody has standing. And then uh, the executive branch uh, really can write uh, checks that go way beyond $400 billion. Uh, They'll go into the trillions really fast. Uh, ben, thanks for joining us today. Great perspective. Thanks. Anytime. All right, and that's Ben Ritz uh, from uh, the Progressive Policy Institute, and I think he laid out some really important things. And I don't care if you are progressive or conservative or liberal or whatever you fall in under today. These are questions that we have to get to and that we have to make sure Washington gets to so that Congress can hold on to the authority that it has constitutionally, that the executive branch doesn't overreach, because otherwise everything ends up back in the courts, and then we wonder why our selection for Supreme Court justice is so political. This is exhibit A, B, C, D, E, and F, and we got to do better than that. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, much more on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. 
It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.